Um, so I'm so glad, <laughs> so glad that you guys are here. I, uh, I really appreciate you. I'm, I'm Scott again, if I haven't met you, um, and I'm just, I'm just grateful to be your pastor. Um, today we're continuing on in, in our series, Ghost Stories, and, uh, and today I want to really focus in on the Holy Spirit and I'll talk to you about the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and hopefully in a way that if this is a subject where, you know, you just kind of compartmentalize this as, a, as in like, you put it in that box of like, things I don't understand about God and don't care to really get into, I hope that you'll become more friendly to the idea of the Holy Spirit. Because we don't want you to operate on like two-thirds of, the, of who God is, two-thirds of the person, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to go all in, dive in, and I pray that God would speak to you. Let's actually ask him, Lord, um, I pray that you would reveal the totality of yourself today who you are, the very nature and the character of who you are becomes front and center in this place. We rest in the reality of that and ask that you would transform us by the hearing of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have to tell you, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, growing up in a family where for us church was just kind of a casual experience, I I knew that there was a father and I knew there was a son. They talked about that. They also talked not about the Holy Spirit, but about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. That's why I call it ghost stories. Not the Holy Spirit. We, they called it the Holy Ghost. And that freaked me out, okay? That, because to me, like, I'd understand the father because I had a dad. That I could understand because I had a dad. He had a son. That's me. I could understand that. But this Holy Spirit seemed kind of weird to me. It seemed like sort of like that guy that lives under your bed. Anybody had that? Like there's this guy that lived under my bed when I was a kid. And like if, you know, my feet went down over the bed, he would grab it and pull me in. I was pretty sure that was going to happen. So um, anybody, it was just me, the guy under, under the bed. Um, so, but as I studied scripture, as I became a Christian, I really found out that the Holy Spirit is an essential part of the Trinity. And I do believe, and I'm going to say this now, that it's completely necessary and essential to living the life that God has called us to live as followers of Christ. The Trinity is, I grant it, it's a hard concept. I've never met a Christian that just said, you know, I've got it all figured out. I mean, you always meet the Christian that gives you the analogy. Well, it's like... It's like water. Water is steam. Water is ice. Water. And, and it all, you know, every analogy I've ever heard, it kind of breaks down at some level. So I understand that the Trinity is hard to understand. But listen, I want you to engage your brain today because just like the Trinity might be hard, it's still essential that we learn it. At a point in our Christian walk, we have to take the spiritual milk and begin to eat some meat. And it's kind of like when you're a kid, driving is completely mysterious. You just get in a car you know, when you're a little kid, you strap in, and then all of a sudden you just arrive somewhere, and it's kind of magic, right? Like, I don't know how mom and dad did that. They just got in this vehicle, I'm just playing a game, and then I, I ended up here at the grocery store. But eventually you get a little older, and you understand, okay, there's something going on. Dad's doing some pedal work down there. You know, something about this thing that when he turns it, it goes a certain direction, or there's a lever that he pulls. And so you start to get a feeling like, it demystifies and I sort of understand, but at a certain age, you want to go and do it yourself. So you get a driver's license, you sit behind the wheel, and somebody teaches you actually how to drive. 
And the mystery is still there, even for those of us who drive. I mean, I open up the hood to my car to this day, and I'm looking like, I don't know what this thing, like that piece is the doohickey goes over here, and there's a hose, and it connects over. I like to have two things in my car, like an electric and a gas engine. It's mystery. I don't understand how it works. It's kind of cool. I mean, I'd like to understand, but it's not necessary for me. But here's, here's the thing about the Trinity. If you're like the little kid and you're just getting in the car and you think it's all magic and they're just, it's this Holy Spirit thing, I'm here to tell you that the Trinity is something that you can let unfold. There's a, it's a treasure in Scripture that you can let sort of unfold in your life and you'll be better off for understanding it. And I, I just wanted to say this, that don't go in halfway, like really lean in today, because I want you to fully understand that God wants to fill us with this Holy Spirit so that we can live empowered lives that are pleasing to him, that glorify him. The Trinity is three persons operating in one being God, all fully God, but three distinct persons, okay? We're going to go in and talk about the Holy Spirit today. And I want to begin by looking at a text, one of my favorites. I love this text. It, it is Jesus as he's beginning to prepare to leave his uh, disciples, and, uh, and he's preparing to go be crucified, buried, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. Then he says this in John 14, and starting in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Great word there. He will be in you. And then in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. I love that. I'm not going to leave you. Without any mom and dad, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not just going to be with you. I'm going to leave the counselor, and he is going to be in you. And so this, this text teaches us several things. Number one, it teaches us that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a thing we're praying for. It's not an idea. It's not a gut feeling. He is a person. He is a person of the Trinity. Just as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... Excuse me, is a person. He is not an intuition. He's not that little uh, itch in your belly. He's nothing like that. He is a person. So that's really clear here. He is a he. And so the second thing we can learn from this is if you are not a Christian and the idea is sort of weird to you, that maybe you're saying it sounds kind of wacko, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that's perfectly natural, that if you can't see with spiritual eyes, you can't discern the Holy Spirit. So it would be natural that if you haven't been born of the Spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit might seem like a foreign concept to you. And we'll get into why in just a minute. But... The other thing that I want to tell you, too, that is so beautiful about the Holy Spirit is that it's not just that God is with us, but really, this is so hard to understand, but God is in us. He is inside of us. Jesus says, but he remains with you and he will be in you. He will be inside. He will take up residence in your heart. So understand what this means. 
The same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the grave, that same miraculous power that raised him up from the grave is in you. It's not just available to you. It's inside of your heart. He exists within your spirit and he is a motivator. He is a counselor. He is uh, an agent inside of you that desires to get you closer to Jesus. And so uh, it enables you to talk to God, the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit enables you to hear from God and by the power of God. Now, when I became a Christian, I thought, man, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if Jesus could just be with me, like, like he was with the disciples, like physically present in my life. You know, walk with me, and Jesus is right there. And, you know, I mean, something goes wrong, and Jesus could be like, poof, and he would make it all right, you know. I thought that would be really cool. Like, <clears throat> for a little on food, you know, sorry, Jesus. Oh, we have a Twinkie. Oh, okay, well, Jesus just blessed the Twinkie, and all of a sudden there's 5,000 Twinkies. Everybody's doing fine. Everybody's fat, and, you know. I thought that would be really neat. You know, you're walking along with my dog. And he gets out of the street and he's tragically hit, but Jesus is there, so Jesus raises him from the dead, right? There's my dog. Um, or like, you know, if my cat runs out into the street, gets hit by a car, Jesus can do the funeral. Um, <laughs> you like that better than first service. I think there's some cat people in the first service. <laughs> but you know what if I was like about to sin and Jesus said, no, don't do that. You know, that's really dangerous. Stay away from that. Or how about this? Go over here and do this. You know, if Jesus was there, you know, he could help me out. But the thing, I mean, like, honestly, how could it get any better than that? How could it get any better? Where Jesus shows us that it actually, it can get better than even having Jesus physically with you. He says, it's better if I go away and the spirit comes. Let's look at John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. What, Jesus? We love having you here. We love hanging with you. He says, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, so the truth is, is that a lot of the people that Jesus was hanging around with, they were very confused. Even to the last moment, they were like, hey, um, okay, Jesus, thanks. You know, you rose from the dead and everything. But now, so when, when are you going to usher in the did I just go dead there? Okay. Um, so, you know, when, when are you going to do that? And, and uh, Jesus says, well, you don't understand. But when the Spirit of God came on Peter, all of a sudden he had incredible boldness, and he had a full understanding of the mission of Jesus on, the, on planet Earth. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit is this amazing thing, and it transforms us because he's not just with us, he is in us. He is our counselor, our guide, our comforter, our peace, and he gives us full power to fulfill all that God wants us to be. I want to look at five things that the Holy Spirit will give you power to do. Five things. And in these five things, I hope to give you a really complete or at least a picture of who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in you. Number one, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit wants to give you the power of salvation. He wants to draw you to Christ. He wants to save you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is essential in understanding the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, he comes to, uh, remember the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he kind of steals away in the middle of the night, comes to Jesus and he says, uh, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? 
And Jesus tells Nicodemus, well, actually, you have to be born again. He uses this, this phrase, born again. And Nicodemus is like, whoa, <laughs> you know, does that mean I have to like crawl inside my mother's womb and be born again? He says, that's ridiculous, kind of, you know. And Jesus said, no. And John, John 3, 5 says, um, I assure you, Unless someone is born of water, that's a physical birth, and the spirit, a spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. So he's saying there is that your mom gave you physical birth, but your holy father wants to give you a spiritual birth. He wants to birth you completely new in a spiritual way. Where you are dead, he wants to bring life. He forgives your sins. You are renewed. And then the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. And while he does, then you can please God. And you can be all that he wants you to be because of this Holy Spirit that's inside of you. So some, some Christians kind of struggle because they'll say, wait, so the Holy Spirit, how do I know that the Holy Spirit is in me? I mean, it's a legitimate question. And sometimes we begin to doubt, like maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I once was, but I'm not now. Maybe I drifted away. So what's the deal with that? And I, I will say, like, I'll answer it this way. My, my sister, when she was little, poor girl, it's out of me for a brother. Um, I used to tell her, uh, you know, Jen, you were not born into this family. You, in fact, you're not one of us. Um, that's a lie, by the way, she was. But I said, I said Jen, you know, um, you were brought here by the police. And they dropped you off and didn't know when we want you. And then we just decided out of pity for you that we welcome you to our family. So cruel, incredibly cruel. So I used to tell my sister that. And um, I'm not proud of it. I'm just telling you. And then so a few, few years later, she, she kind of cried. Oh, oh, I was so I'm terrible. Was, I can't even believe I'm admitting to this. And then, uh, but a couple of years after that, I told her one more time. I said, yeah, you were brought here by the police. And she said, no, I'm not. That's stupid. And I said, no, you were. Remember I told you before? She goes, I asked dad, and dad told me that he is my father, and so I know that daddy is my dad, and you're lying, Scott. And, and I was like, okay, you got me. So dad knows that I said that. And I might have gotten into some trouble, I'm not sure. But uh, the point was is that you know because your father tells you. He tells you through his spirit, his spirit speaking to your spirit. Let's look at Romans 8.16 where Paul says something really powerful. He says, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, God wants to confirm in you with his voice that you are one of his. The spirit of God says, you are mine. You belong to me. I am your father. You are my kids. Now, I mean, it's natural to doubt, by the way. And when that happens, you have to, like, you have to step back and say, all right, I know that I'm a child of God. And my salvation is not fragile. It's not like glass. It doesn't get broken and then get stitched back together and torn down and put back together. And depending on how, what my week was like, am I a Christian or not? No, the Spirit of God wants to testify in you like you are one of His. But the accuser wants to come and say the opposite. The accuser of your soul, the Bible says that the enemy is Satan, and Satan wants to whisper in your ears, you're not one of God's children. You are not his. You are not his. And when that happens, you need to go to the word. You need to seek the truth of scripture. But then also inside of you, God is saying that he wants to testify to your spirit that you are one of his. So number one, 
God's power is the power to save. Number two, if you're taking notes, God's Spirit wants to give you the power to walk in His perfect will. To walk in His will. John 14, 26. A lot of scripture today, but we need to stay in the Bible. John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send Him in my name, will teach you all things and reminds you of everything, of everything I've told you. So the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your counselor. He's your guide. Imagine yourself walking around in life, and all of a sudden you get to a point where there's a pit. The Holy Spirit will say, stop. Don't go there. Walk around. Maybe duck a little bit. You know, there's a tree branch. You know, follow in my footsteps, guiding you and, and counseling you along the way. Now, that's not to say that the Holy Spirit is going to grab you by the hand and tell you every step you need to make. Like when you get out into the parking lot today and your buddy says, let's go grab lunch, the Holy Spirit's not going to go, yes, Chick-fil-A, or, you know, or yes, Mod Pizza, got to check out the new place. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's not like that. But in general, what he does is he will, will grab you in unexpected ways and say, you know what, that looks wrong. Don't do that. Or, or confirm to you that there's an opportunity maybe, and my will is that you go in a specific direction in your life. You know, maybe he will confirm in a relationship that this is the person that through counsel and through, you know, uh, much, uh, much discussion with people that you trust, this is the person that God intends me to, uh, for me to marry. Or maybe the opposite, that you, the Holy Spirit will confirm that this is not the person that you should be with. And so the Holy Spirit is involved in those decisions in your life. Now, he doesn't speak all the time in an audible voice. I can say that in my life, I've been a Christian for many, many decades, maybe once, maybe twice, have I actually heard what I, what I felt were God's out of the blue, like total clear words in my life, like where I knew 100% that that was God. Many of the time, it's just becoming sensitive to, it's learning to hear his still small voice. It's learning to differentiate all of the noise and what is true and clear and God speaking to me in his powerful Holy Spirit way. And so I would say this, that to hear the voice of God, you're not looking for that audible voice, but you're looking to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit moving inside of you, guiding you, counseling you, giving you wisdom, giving you peace, giving you power. Situations where God says, look, you know that person over there, you need to go talk to them. You need to obey that. You need to hear that word. You need to hear that voice and obey it. Step by step, stop, pray for them, move onto the path, move off the path. And so the Holy Spirit is a counselor. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you this, what is to come. So the Holy Spirit gives you the power to walk in God's will. Number three, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to share boldly. To share boldly. Now when it comes to sharing your faith, I'm not talking about grabbing a bullhorn and heading over to the farmer's market and like really making a big difference for the kingdom of God. I'm talking about just walking through life, having conversations with people, interacting spiritually on a level that's different than just surface interactions, but making a difference for Jesus. It can be daunting, honestly. Like the thing that I want to challenge you in is this, that 
if you love Jesus and you want to talk about Jesus, you'll feel the desire to do that. If, all the, like if in your life right now you don't want to talk about Jesus, you have to kind of examine why that is. Isn't he the most important thing that's ever happened to you? Isn't he the most significant thing that's ever happened to you? Why would you want to keep that to yourself? Uh, but it can be challenging. And sometimes we just, we want to retreat back, we hold back. But then the Holy Spirit wants to do this thing where he gives us incredible boldness. If you were here last week, you heard our pastor Brandon talk about this incredible Holy Spirit change that happened in Peter. Peter was uh, uh, reclusive. He denied Jesus three times. Um, He was um, transformed by the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim the gospel boldly. That's what we're talking about here, that he will give you the power to share your faith. Incredible boldness will come. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 says, my speech and my proclamation. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here. He says, we're not with persuasive words or wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and power so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. He says, look, I'm not a great speaker. I'm not a powerful preacher. I can't wow you with my oratory, but what I can do is step back and let the Holy Spirit of God transform by the power of God where words don't land, the Holy Spirit can land, and change happens. I'm always amazed. I'll have the worst day, like, preaching, and I'll tell my staff, that was, I know I didn't knock it out of the park, and they will say, no, God really used that. And then people will come to me, and they'll be like, man, that really blessed my heart or something, you know, what, what you said. And I'm like, I don't even think I said what you think I said. And the reason is, is that the Holy Spirit is contextualizing and personalizing the message. So the words that are coming out of my mouth, by the time they land on your ears, you're hearing them for you. It's not for the person next to you, but directly for you. It's a powerful thing when God's word is preached. It's not for the the wisdom of words by persuasive wisdom, but by a demonstration of God's power. In Acts 4, verse 31, it says that when they'd all prayed, it's so cool, like imagine this just for a second, the place where they were assembled was shaken. I mean, I love to see that, shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak God's message with boldness, with boldness. And if you're timid, if you're shy, if you're a little bit like you're holding back, allow the Holy Spirit in some moment to begin to speak through you. And you will be amazed at how you can stand up for Jesus. You can stand up in the most difficult circumstances and talk about your Lord and Savior in a powerful way. So number four, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a holy life, a holy Life. Romans 8, 5 says, For those whose lives are according to the flesh, they think about the things of the flesh. But those whose lives are according to the Spirit, about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is what? Death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. So when you think about things that are destructive and sinful and unholy, you're exposing yourself to the things of death. But the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring life and peace. And he wants to do that in your heart. Without the Holy Spirit of God, the truth is we are so vulnerable to temptation and to sin and to falling and to falling away. We are incredibly vulnerable. But the Holy Spirit wants to bring us life and peace, not death. And so where's our mindset? Like, the thing is, is 
think back if you um, were a Christian in your adult life, or maybe before, if you can think back to the time before you knew Jesus, wasn't your, the, the, the reason that you were pursuing um, life, wasn't the reason quite different? Like, for example, um, it, before Christ, if you don't know Jesus, like, just live a good life, but, you know, live it for yourself. Please yourself. Do what you need to to get by in life. Like, you might have been operating for just purely pleasure purposes, and then all of a sudden, the things that you used to do, you no longer want to do them. When I became a Christian, like, the things that just even the year before I was pursuing, all of a sudden, I had this sick feeling to my stomach. I didn't even want to have anything to do with them. And it was the Holy Spirit in me. He was convicting me. He was, he was telling me, look, Scott, don't do those things. I don't want you to be uh, in that situation. I want, it's not wise. You shouldn't be doing that. There's something about the Holy Spirit where he brings a sensitivity to situations, to sin, to um, opportunities that might look good on the outside, but the Holy Spirit sees that in, he sees that the, the result of those is death, and he says, no, 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 don't be a partaker in that. I want to bring you life and peace. So I shared this in the first service, and I'll share it with you. I'm a little bit of a, a skeptic, as I've been, especially the older I get, uh, about the ability of people to change their behavior, okay? So let me, let me tell you what that means. So I think that if you have a habit in your life, like a bad habit, maybe, maybe you, you swear too much and you know you should dial it down. Um, I really think that with some effort, you can change that behavior. If you have like a habit, for example, let's say you, you, know, you use tobacco, you know, you know that's not healthy for you. You want to stop doing that. I, I really think that, you know, you can change that behavior. Any kind of like a habit, I mean, if you, especially if you bring in people that are wise around you, they can help to adjust and maybe walk with you um, in, in a community setting and you can get over uh, a habit. But here's where I really become a skeptic, and, and that is issues of character. Like the deep-seated things inside of you that define who you are. If you grew up in a family where lying was the way that you coped. And, and so you are a liar. And you're 18 years old and now you're off doing your thing as an adult and you can't, you, you find yourself spinning lies and you're like, I don't even know why I just lied, but I did. That is a deep-seated character issue. Maybe you have a sexual addiction and you're like, um, everything is about sex and it's all about, you know, feeding the passions and the lust of the flesh. And, and that's like something that you can't turn off. You don't, you, you, you can't even bring it under control. And, and so I really think here, the, the issues of, of character, I become really skeptical that people can change their behavior when it comes to that because it's not just behavior, something under the surface, it's very deep rooted. But here's the thing. In case you think that I don't believe that people can change, I don't believe that people can change on their own. But I have seen inside of God's holy family, through the Holy Spirit, people overcome amazing things like lying and sexual addictions and uh, other addictions and incredible character defects. People that you would, and, and I would put myself included in that, people that were heading in the complete wrong direction in life. I mean, about face and turn and be completely transformed. The Holy Spirit gives us an immense ability to live a holy life where we couldn't on our own. I mean, the thing is, is that I didn't want to do the things that I used to do. And why? 
I can't explain to you. I just wanted to be more in love with Jesus, to follow more in, in love with him. The Bible says that there's some fruits of the Spirit. As you're walking with Jesus, you bear different kinds of fruit. Instead of lying and lust and, 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 and uh, jealousy and greed, the fruits of the Spirit are this. In Galatians 5.22, the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, if you guys are sitting there and you're like, you know what, I'd love is to not be a procrastinator, not to be somebody that ignores the important things in my life. I would love to have more self-control because, man, when I get around something in a situation, I'm really impulsive and I'm likely to do it. I'm likely to buy it. I'm likely to sell it. I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. I'm very impulsive. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to do is convict you and bring you into a mindset of self-control. He can change. Like that skeptical part of me that says outside of Christ, your behavior, your character issues are not going to likely change because that's who you are. But who you are changes when the Holy Spirit is in you because the Holy Spirit wants to give you the power to live a holy life. Number five, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit will give you power to make a difference to make a difference in the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts. The gifts are the things that God gives you that are apart from you, not in, not in your abilities to, to, to do. So in other words, um, God wants to give you abilities so that you can use your, uh, those abilities, those gifts in the church for his glory. Uh, Hebrews 2.4 says, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. So in other words, in, in, in this church, God just said, look, you know what we need in this church? We need some teachers. We need some creative people. We need some passionate people. We need some gentle people. We need some, uh, we need some, uh, musical people. We need some administratively gifted people. We need people that love kids and people that love young adults. And some examples in scripture, if you wanted to look at it, if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. The two 12s, right? 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Both of those talk about spiritual gifts. Some examples are wisdom. If somebody comes to you and they, they're always looking for your advice, perhaps God has given you the gift of wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's discernment. You see things in people. You discern stuff. You see beyond the surface. God has maybe given you the gift of discernment. Uh, perhaps you prophesy or you see things that haven't even yet occurred and you see the trajectory, you see outcomes. You can't explain it. Maybe you have that gift of prophecy. Maybe you have the gift of giving. You're irrational with your giving. You are, you're extravagant with your giving and you just give. Oh, you'll give the shirt off of your back. You'll give your time, your energy, your money. You are an extravagant giver. You are, you are gifted by that. Maybe you have the ability to speak in other tongues or have the ability to have those interpreted in tongues or encouragement. Maybe you're the encourager. You are always, you have words of encouragement. You always manifest encouragement. You're a blessing to your friends. You're a blessing to people around you. You're the gift of encouragement. Maybe you're a servant and you just love to serve. Oh my goodness. You know, what are the people that will tell you like, you know, just say no. It's okay to say no. And you're like, I just want to be there. I want to do this. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to give. Maybe that's you. You have the gift of administration. Did you know the Bible identifies the gift of administration? People that love numbers and love spreadsheets and love to like, the, you know, manage the details in life. 
You know, if you're not one of those people, did you know that God has gifted around you people that are gifted in administration? I'm thankful for those people. I really am. Uh, so how about this one? Evangelism. You just love talking about Jesus. Man, you are all, you just want to talk about him. You want to, you want to make him known. You can frame it in a way that people are just, they, they pay attention to you. Tell me more about Jesus. You have the gift of evangelism. There's mercy. There's the gift of teaching. There's all kinds of gifts. And God looks out at our church community and the community at large, and he apportions liberally all the gifts that he wants for us to use. Uh, and, and that's one of the things he empowers us to do is to use our gifts. I could teach on this subject so much more than I have time to do today. So moving on, God has the power to give you the gifts of the Spirit and to use them in his, in his church. I want to give you two pieces of advice in closing. And man, these are, these are, I want you to pay attention to these two things. Number one, when it comes to the Spirit, two practical things, do not resist. Do not resist the Spirit. Number one, do not resist. Don't resist His direction and His voice within you. If He is talking to you, if He is moving inside of you, if He is directing you, if He's counseling you, and you resist Him, the Bible actually says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve Him. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can actually put a, put a damper on it, and that's the last thing that you want to do. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. If you, if you continually say, when God is saying, obey me, go in this direction, do this thing, and you're constantly saying, no, I don't want to. I want to, you're resisting the Holy Spirit, and eventually, you'll just say, you know, that probably wasn't God in the first place. And you will be to the point where you can't distinguish his voice anymore. The Bible calls it a still small voice. He is talking to you. He is moving inside of you. He is influencing you in ways. And I'm not saying, again, like it's a physical voice or it's an audible voice, but sometimes it's a nudge. It's a, it's a gentle, you feel that there's an agency inside of you that wants, to, that wants to push you in one direction or another. Don't resist that. Listen to it. Always challenge it up against the Word of God. Even though if God says, you know, um, the Holy Spirit is teaching me, just wants me to go get drunk tonight. Like, I guarantee you that's not the Holy Spirit. But if, but if God is saying in the Holy Spirit inside of you is, is, is encouraging you to go, like, be a friend to somebody or talk to somebody about Jesus, that's probably his voice. So cultivate that. Learn to distinguish what is the voice of God. And then finally, number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled, filled with the Spirit. So what does alcohol do if you have too much of it, right? It makes you weird. It makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do. That's what alcohol does. But the Bible says don't do that. Don't let some substance control you, but be influenced. Let the Spirit guide you and counsel you. Let the Spirit lead you. And God wants to do that. Come under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. May that be so. May it be so in all of us today as we pray and invite the Holy Spirit to do His perfect work in us. 
Next week, I'm going to be talking about an experience with the Holy Spirit. If you've read the Bible, you might have come across this term, the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you about what that means and what its implications are. And should you seek it? Has it already happened? Should you look for it? I mean, I think you'll want to be here next week. But today I want to pray that we are filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that we are exhibiting the full fruits of it, that we are saved. He's drawn us to salvation that he wants to um, make us holy. He wants to uh, empower us to live a holy life. He wants to show us his perfect and good will. He wants to enable us to proclaim boldly. And finally, he wants to give us every good and perfect gift. That's what I want to pray for you this morning. God, I invite you. I pray, Lord, that every single one of us would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would please you always, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, that we would listen to your voice. Realize that we are not walking alone. We're not orphans. We're not by ourselves. We have you with us, in us. That is the best thing that we could possibly hope for. Empower us to be all that we can be for you by your Holy Spirit, Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen and amen.